dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. Who better to shed light on matters involving, among other things, our intelligence and more generally, the state of the war for the free world than a man who spent his career in the service of the United States Navy as a naval intelligence officer. His name is Captain James Fennell. These days, he is a senior fellow with the Geneva Center for Security Policy, not to be confused with what we think of as the real one here in Washington, D.C., but he is a very, very important contributor to, I think, our situational awareness about what we're confronting, notably in his role as a member of the Committee on the Present Danger, China. Captain, it's good to have you with us, sir. Welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Great to be back, man. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Let me ask you for kind of a, an overall assessment of the sorts of indicators and warnings that you monitored, of course, as the you know, senior intelligence guy for the U.S. Pacific Fleet during part of your distinguished service in uniform. Um, what are you seeing out there now, uh, maybe over the horizon, maybe not so much, that suggests the Chinese Communist Party is preparing to add kinetic operations to what it's been calling its unrestricted warfare against the United States? In other words, going to actual combat against us uh, and or our allies out in that region. Well, Frank, I, uh, there's a lot that's going on. Um, I think at the at the strategic level, you have the, the speech that Xi Jinping gave on July 1st uh, with the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Chinese Communist Party, where he talked about, you know, he'll bash, people will bash their head on the, the Great Wall of Steel of China. Uh, and so there's this kind of a, a very militaristic uh, tone to that speech that I think people had not anticipated. They thought it would have been much more celebration of the establishment of the Chinese Communist Party, but Xi turned it into something that was very clear that if you know you mess with us and, and and when he says mess with us, I mean that's a euphemism for if you get involved with Taiwan, we're gonna crush you. And so that was unusual. Then we have reports here in the, this week of uh you know confirmed now air activity routinely happening from the islands of the Stratlands of Mr. Free a reef and fire cross reef, which Xi had promised President Obama that he wouldn't do that in 2014, and here we are seven years later, and they're now routinely flying out of there, and those reports have just come out. Uh, we have the reports of the PLA Air Forces, Naval and, and Air Forces, you know, conducting large-scale uh, penetrations of Taiwan's air defense identification zone with, you know, over 28 aircraft here in, in the last month or so. We have reports just yesterday of uh, uh, Chinese uh, naval uh, vessels operating east of Taiwan. And this is now becoming a re recurring uh, operation. It used to be kind of a the transit from the East China Sea bases, go through the Miyako Strait, down 
along the east coast of Taiwan, well out maybe 100 miles away, and then come through the Bashi Channel into the South China Sea as kind of a transit. But now they're operating in the Philippine Sea, and they're now starting to think about trying to attack Taiwan from all vectors, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And so uh, you get all of their language, all of their rhetoric, and then their daily operations. Uh, and then they've just now, you know, had here in the last 24, 48 hours, you know, extreme consternation. And they've been very vo uh, uh, vocal about even uh, uh, the, the U.S. military aircraft, the C-146 Dakota, that was for medical purposes, had landed in Taiwan. And now we see Chinese rhetoric and Chinese press condemning that and saying that 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 crosses one of their red lines from their 2005 anti-secession law. So everything seems to be trending towards China's eventual, you know, uh, use of force if they cannot force Taiwan uh, to capitulate. And it seems to be intensifying at a rate that, from my perspective, is uh, reflective of what they think they can get away with because of the essentially lack of resolve uh, that they see in Washington. Now, this is really the profoundly concerning question is, are they not only on track to act on long-standing ambitions uh, in the region and Taiwan being among the most obvious, but whether they see a window of opportunity for doing that in light of the Biden administration's, well, personnel, for one thing, and seeming policy predilections. And unfortunately, we're, we're dealing with this at a time when others are seemingly uh, asserting themselves in the Pacific as well. You were based for many years, of course, out uh, in the headquarters of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, uh, in Honolulu. Um, talk about what we're seeing now in the way of operations of not just the Chinese, but the Russians uh, within what you might call striking distance of that uh, command and, and, of course, Pearl Harbor and our important military facilities in Hawaii. Right. I think uh, what we're, we've had some reporting here in the last month about uh, Chinese, uh, not Chinese, but Russian uh, naval and air forces operating in, in and around the Hawaiian op area, uh, in some part to, uh, you know, spy on exercises that the U.S. Uh, Indo-Pacific Command is having, uh, but also just also sending a signal. Uh, and I have to say that the reports that I read and the surface ships that were out there, we haven't seen that. Uh, even in the Cold War, we didn't see the Russians come and send that many ships uh, operating uh, within 100 miles of Honolulu, 200 miles maybe. So the the point is, uh, Russia also, I think, you know, they say that old saying that you know a shark can smell blood in the water, and Russia is now really pressing the envelope uh, uh, to uh, challenge anything that uh, the United States does. They're doing the same thing in in the Black Sea and other areas, but it, from the perspective of the Pacific, the idea that Russian ships would uh, an aircraft with sortie all the way out to the Hawaiian area uh, is a little bit alarming. And the fact that you don't seem to be prepared for it uh, is, is another another thing we can talk about. But the, the, act, the lack of awareness of what does this mean and how is it possible that China and Russia are actually uh, collaborating and cooperating together to uh, really press America and to, even if they don't take any military action, the signal they're sending to the world is that America is in decline. And that's what China's been saying for the last uh, 10 years, at least, that America is a declining nation and 
they are the rising nation. And by demonstrating physical acts like Russia and China are doing, it supports their thesis. And let's go to that place you touched on there a moment ago, uh, Jim Fennell, and that is the readiness of our forces to contend with these sorts of threats. Um, this is a twofold question, I guess. Uh, one is just, do we have the assets that we need out there, um, in particular in light of the deployment of the one carrier we have in the Pacific and its battle group, the Reagan, now off to cover our retreat from Afghanistan on the one hand. And secondly, Jim, you you have called for the resignation of senior military leaders, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the chief of naval operations specifically, for what they are doing to contribute to what seems to be a serious assault on the, well, the morale, uh, but actually the unit cohesion and therefore the readiness of our forces through their embrace of all of this critical race theory, you know, well, race warfare, I would call it, against the United States Armed Forces. Talk about both of those, if you would. Well, Frank, I think, you know, in terms of readiness and force posture, you know, we've, been, we've discussed this before, and I've been very vocal and in, in, in written about this, that the United States Navy and our, and our military forces in the, in the Pacific are not adequate enough to deter the PRC from the things we were talking about previously. And the fact that we would send away the Ronald Reagan to cover a retreat from Afghanistan, it's just, it's militarily laughable. And I'm very distressed about this because we had a kind of a uh, an understanding uh, in the Department of Defense that after uh, the uh, you know 9/11 and our involvement with the, you know, the, the initial strikes in Afghanistan and Iraq in 2003, we sent the USS Kitty Hawk, which had been our forward deployed carrier to Japan, which is now the Reagan, and it went there. There was some controversy even then when we did it because uh, you know we thought, what would this do to the alliance with Japan? Because the carrier is there to protect Japan and the region. And when we pulled it back in, at the end of that. Uh, 2003, uh, you know, there was kind of this understanding that out in the West Pack with 7th Fleet, with Pacific Fleet, and with the Pentagon, that we would never do that again. And so the fact that we would do this right now uh, to cover what? I mean, there's really no threat from our forces leaving. In fact, they left on planes. So I'm not sure what it, what it was required to have the, the Reagan be out there. And so that sends a signal clearly uh, that America thinks that you know, maybe it's not that important to have a carrier in the Pacific. And so there will be some that will claim, why do we even keep a forward deployed carrier? Uh, and, it, and they will be using this deployment as justification. And then when you talk about the leadership, I'll just say, you know, publicly, uh, General Milley and Admiral Gilday, and it doesn't please me to say this in any way, shape or form. I'm not pleased to say this. But from my opinion, those two officers need to resign for the good of the nation. What they've done by adopting and accepting uh, uh, unsubstantiated claims from a, a biased press uh, and accuse essentially there's the people in their service of being racists, of being Nazis, this is outrageous. And they need to step down. They have become, they have become, uh, they've lost the trust and confidence of the people that they are overseeing and they've lost the trust and confidence of America. And this is outrageous that they would say things like this. To have a chairman of the Joint Chiefs, you know, 
use foul language in front of the president of the United States or around his advisors and tell him that he's the guy with the guns. This is uh, very, very dangerous, and this man should be removed. Uh, he is no longer has the qualifications and trust to be in the position he's in. And it's very dangerous uh, that we have leaders now that are so swept up in popular culture. When I joined the Navy, we were told, you know, the one thing about the military is that we did not get involved with fad. You know, if, if people were wearing their hair a certain way or people were getting tattoos or people were doing wearing certain clothes or whatever it was, the military was immune from that because our job was to protect the American people and focus only on that. And this report from uh, Lieutenant General uh, Schmidley and Admiral uh, Montgomery, Rear Admiral Montgomery, about the nature of the Navy and the fact that we are not focusing on warfighting, I think, is a, a, I mean, that should be uh, examined and discussed on Capitol Hill, and changes need to be made. We're going to be talking with Congressman Chris Stewart, one of those who I think feels very much the way you do about that uh, important need for um, both a serious debate on how the military is being now fundamentally transformed to coin a phrase, and uh, what can be done to rectify this situation. Captain Fennell, we appreciate your service to our country, both in uniform and that you are rendering these days, among other things, as a member of the Committee on the Present Danger of China. Thank you for visiting with us from time to time, and I hope you'll come back soon, as we definitely need to stay very much abreast of the kinds of threat assessments you're providing. Next up, we will speak with John Rosamondo. We'll take a closer look at how the United States military is being trained by, well, it seems Marxists. What's up with that? More, that and more straight ahead. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney.